All right, guys, well, welcome. We are in Leviticus. We did a long old introduction last uh, Wednesday night, and so now we're actually starting the book. So Leviticus chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, the verses are also going to be on the screen. Um, so uh, after 10 weeks, or after 10 weeks uh, after their deliverance from Egypt, the Israelites got to Mount Sinai, right? And God gave Moses the law, right? And instructions to build the tabernacle. And on the first day of the first month of the second year of Israel's deliverance, Moses had the tabernacle put up, right? And Exodus 16 through 40 covers nine months, which we went through all of Exodus, right? We went through all of it together, but the book of Numbers starts with a census taken on the first day of the second month of the second year, meaning what's recorded in Leviticus covers one month. So this, this 27 chapters covers one month. So at this point, the tabernacle was ready to be used, right? And in Leviticus, God gave the priests the instructions they needed for offering of sacrifices. Remember I said last week, this is a very bloody book. It is a bloody book, but uh, it's messy, right? But sin is messy. So the shedding of animal blood couldn't like, change a person's heart back in the day or take away their sin, yet God, state, God did state that the sins of the worshipers were forgiven. It, it's a covering. And so what we're going to see is that more than sacrifice, God wants obedience. And the quicker we say, yes, God, the quicker his will comes to pass. And we do things his way rather than the hard way. So let's pray, and then we'll get into Leviticus chapter 1 tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to meet, Lord, and uh, hear what you have for us as a church and also individually we just thank you that you're so faithful to meet your children exactly where they're at in their life circumstances, Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop or the valley, Lord, you're there. And so we thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you for your word. Just pray that our hearts will be open to take it in, Lord, and then live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Leviticus is all about adhering to laws relating to ritual and the services, the sacrifices, uh, duties and the job of the priests, right, the sons of Aaron. And as we, as we studied last week, Leviticus is about holiness. It is a book about holiness. Like we looked at a holy God, a holy priesthood, we're going to look, uh, a holy people, a holy land, a holy savior. That's, that's the theme, holiness, right? And so verse 1 and 2 of Leviticus says, now when the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. So the story of Leviticus really like picks up where Exodus left off. Uh, Israel is camped out at the base uh, of Mount Sinai for the duration of this book. So the tabernacle of meeting was completed at this point. Remember, the, it's at the center of the camp. All the tribes were around it. Really, the symbol of the pre, you know, God's presence is the central focus. Um, the sacrificial system would now be implemented since the place of sacrifice was now ready. So verse 2 essentially lays out what to do when you bring an offering to the Lord, when any one of you brings an offering. Like, let me remind you of the three major aspects to the covenant that God made with Israel. The covenant included the law Israel had to obey, this, a sacrifice for the breaking of the law, and then the choice for a blessing or a curse. What were you going to do? So a sacrifice was essential, though, since not one Hebrew could follow the law perfectly. 
right? This was the genesis of the beginning of God's sacrificial system. Sacrifice was not unusual during this time. So they said, bring an offering to the Lord. Now, the law could be, now the law could actually be codified because the tabernacle was done. So the first seven chapters have to do with sacrifice. Chapter 1 to 5 are instructions for the people. Chapter 6 and 7 are instructions for the priests. So it says an offering of livestock. And this prohibited like just bringing a wild animal to God. Uh, it had to be an animal that was uh, domesticated. So it would cost something to sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't sacrifice if, you, if it doesn't cost something. And so this sacrifice was a free will offering. Other nations would offer random animals like you know, horses, uh, dogs, swine, camels, donkeys. But the Lord wanted domesticated animals that were tame, gentle, innocent, and useful for food. And so God is specific, and he is a God of order. Like We know that. And we don't have blind faith, for God gives us massive uh, and many truths clearly laid out in Scripture. And so what happens? Well, in verse 3, it says, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar, that is, by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar, lay the wood in order on the fire. And then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts of the head and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. So the burnt offering had, was completely burned up for the Lord, completely burned up, and there was nothing left. It was total sacrifice. It was not eaten by the priests or the offerer. It was designed to propitiate the anger of God that came from sin and transgression. We, all, we know about God's love, but also God hates some things. One of them is sin, right? It says, a male without blemish. So a perfect sacrifice offered at the door of the tabernacle. Put his hand upon its head. And this is an amazing picture here, because this action implied that the offerer devoted the animal to God, and that the offerer confessed their sin and transferred it to the animal who became the victim. What Jesus would do once and for all. He was innocent, he was the victim, and we were the guilty ones. But he willingly went to the cross, and it was prophecy fulfilled. It's pretty amazing. The only time it talks about God being rich in the Bible is he's rich in mercy. And so the animal was to be killed by the offender, not by the priest. Now, the priest would sprinkle the blood around the altar. This was the application of atonement, right? And this made the offering acceptable to God, for the life is in the blood. We're going to learn later in Leviticus. Life is in the blood. The skin was stripped off. You ever skinned an animal? I know some of you have, hunting and stuff. Uh, the skin was stripped off the animal. The carcass cut up into pieces. It was laid on the altar in a way that was most efficiently consumed or burned. Right, if you put the whole big old thing on there and just burn it, it's gonna, it was cut up perfectly to burn the quickest. 
And this action of sacrifice reflects the heart behind it. Like it was about giving everything to God to fully yield, to totally surrender all to him. Nothing held back. And this was not a sacrifice. Um, this was not like a, a sacrifice however you feel it should, you know, it should be done. Like, I think I want to do it this way, right? It's a man had two, it's like this. Someone once said this, a man had two cows, right? Because so, so often we give our leftovers to God, right? Like we're American. Sometimes like, oh, if I have anything left, God, I'll give it to you. But it's like this man, you might have heard the story, he had two cows, right? And there was his livelihood. One of the cows died. And he said, Lord, I'm sorry, your cow died. <laughs> so it's like, mine's still alive, but Lord, sorry, yours died. But that's kind of the mentality we kind of have in relation to God. We are not called to give our leftovers to God. This is how many people think. And instead of our first fruits, we're like, here, you can have the rotten ones. They're basically expired anyway, God, you know? But... It's like the, the, uh, the image here is give your all to God. And a couple of things to know in verse 8, the fat was the kidneys. In verse 9, the inwards and the legs. That's what that's talking about. But it was symbolic of inward purity, a holy walk, which was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. A sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord is really an expression of the offerer's uh, piety, and it was an expression of a sacrificial type of Christ. Like, Jesus is seen through the burnt offering. The burnt offering was voluntary. So Jesus laid down his life willingly. Right? Jesus prayed, not, thy, you know, not my will, but thy will. Remember in the garden. Wood was laid on the fire of the altar of sacrifice, just as the wooden cross was prepared for Jesus, on which he would absorb the fire of the wrath of God. The head of the animal speaks of the mind, Jesus' mind was perfect, right? The fat of the animal speaks of excess. And Jesus did not have excess. He lived a perfect, balanced, sinless life, right? The inwards speak of, again, inward purity. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, the inward glory of Jesus was actually revealed. And I love what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The legs speak of one's walk with the Lord. As Jesus was walking, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the burnt offering speaks of giving all that we are to the Lord. And it's a picture of Jesus giving all for us to forgive our sins. It's pretty amazing and comforting and assuring and a blessing. But we go on in verse 10, it says, If his offering is of the flocks, of the sheep, or of the goats as a burnt sacrifice... He shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priest Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar and he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire of the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water and then the priest shall bring it all, uh, bring it all and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. So those, could not, those who could not like afford uh, the expense of a bull could offer a ram or a goat. Why was, why was this offering to be done on the north side? This is interesting because the north side of uh, the tabernacle, the wind would drive, drive away the rain. So favorable weather, and the north side was said to have the most room to perform these sacrifices. Also, the cross of Calvary, interestingly, was north of Jerusalem. So 
The ox speaks of Jesus Christ, the strong one, who would pull us out of sin. Right? We can't dig our way out. We can't work our way out. He'd pull us out of sin. The goat represented Jesus as the rejected one. So verse 14, it continues on, it says, and, and if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out at the side of the altar, and he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. Verse 17, And then he shall split it at its wings, but shall not divide it completely, and the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the offering of a bird, like, God would only accept turtle doves and pigeons, though. And it's like the offerings corresponded to what one could afford. You know, like, like one who was well off wasn't to offer turtle doves. One who was poor didn't have to offer a bull. God made it possible. I love this picture. God made it possible for everyone to offer sacrifices for their sin. And again, a picture of what was to come. So in the ox, we see Jesus as our burden bearer. In the lamb, we see Jesus as the one who takes away our sins. In the goat, we see Jesus rejected in our place. In the birds, we see Jesus as the one who left his home in heaven to lodge in the tree called Calvary in order that we may one day, someone said, one day soar with him in heaven. It's amazing. So when the bird was brought to the altar, the priest was to wring its head, to wring its head, wringing Jesus's Head, remember, was a crown of thorns. Jesus felt the pain as, as his beard was plucked out. Jesus was totally consumed as he was hung on that wooden cross as he, as he felt the fire of God's wrath. Jesus gave himself to be killed as a sacrifice for us. So, so the burnt offering in chapter 1 speaks of Christ's total dedication. The meal offering in chapter 2 speaks of Christ's perfection. The burnt offering was for consecration of self. The meal offering was for consecration of service, which is Leviticus 2. It's also called the grain offering. And we know Jesus is the bread of life, right? And all the Old Testament is looking forward to the New Testament. Together, you know, it's a complete canon of Scripture of God's redemptive plan. So Leviticus 2, verse 1 says, When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be a fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. So this particular offering was the mixture of fine flour, oil, and frankincense. And some of this mixture was burnt on the altar unto the Lord. The rest of it was given to the priests so they could make bread for themselves and their families. They were provided for. And so God accepted this sacrifice as an expression of thanksgiving. No blood was involved. This was not an offering that atoned for sin. This was a symbol of thanks to God for his provision. As I, you think about it, you know, we, we do talk about this once in a while, but man, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, 
I always try to make it a point, and I probably fail sometimes, but I try to make it a point in prayer, like, thank you, God. Instead of just complaining and whining and, you know, just venting or whatever, even though that's fine to do. David did it all the time. But I, I want to make sure to thank God, you know, thank you, God, for all that you're doing. So this was about Thanksgiving, and the oil was a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Incense is a symbol of prayer. So the meal offering was roasted in fire, and so those who serve the Lord will also, and here's a parallel that we don't like to face, those who serve the Lord will also go through the fire. We will also face difficulties and trials and difficulties. But I love what uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 4.12. Let me just read you that really quick. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, you guys know this verse, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. It's like when you sign up, if you will, for the Christian life and you start walking with the Lord, all your problems don't just go away. You know, some people give that impression, oh, just accept the Lord, everything will be better. And you accept the Lord, and you're like, wait a second, what battle did I just step into? <laughs> and it's like, this is crazy because it's a spiritual battle. It is not difficult, especially those who are serving the Lord, who are active for the Lord. You know when you're like planning something for God, and you're like, let's go, and, and you're ready to go, and you're excited about it. You know that's the point where the enemy's like, hey, <laughs> I know all your weak spots, and I'm going to attack you from every angle. And so it's like, Lord, so those who serve the Lord, you're gonna go, we're going to go through fire, right? We have the unholy trinity, the flesh, the world, the enemy. Uh, and so it's all, it's all trying to fight against us, right? And so we have to make sure that we're led by the Holy Spirit. We have to make sure that we're in prayer because we're going to go through the fire. It's inevitable. We're not exempt from uh, storms of life just because we're believers. In fact, it creates some new storms as we're living out our faith, actually. So moving on to verse 4, it says, And if you bring as an offering a grain offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. But if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it into pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord. And when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And then the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial portion and burn it on the altar. It is an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse 10. And what is left is the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It's most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. And so here we see different types of grain offerings, right? But no matter what type of grain offering it is, or it was, it was to be prepared at home. And this is a great picture. The women would faithfully prepare the offerings, presenting it to God as a sacrifice. And this picture is great. Basically, what it's, what it's representing is devotion to God starts at home. And if offered with the right heart, it was a sweet aroma to the Lord. And I always tell people that my, my first church plant is in my home with my family. Like that's where it starts. It's where the heart a devotion is, right, with family. And so the pan was covered, and it was sort of like a modern 
day deep fryer. You guys know what this is. This is the South, right? Deep fryer. Um, the offering would look like a, a, a deep fried donut. Uh, and, and so Aaron and his sons got the rest of the offering to eat, right? They were provided for as they were serving. And then verse 11 says, No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. And so leaven was restricted because it was a type of sin. Right? Leaven worked like this, like a little pinch of dough uh, from an old loaf or a lump could make a whole new loaf or puff up, basically. And so the process of leaven is an illustration of sin and pride. The presence of a, a little can corrupt a large amount. And so honey wasn't allowed because it was uh, a favorable sacrifice for pagan deities. So honey wasn't allowed. God didn't want to be worshipped after the pagan customs or ways, right? He's holy, he's set apart. And so I love the picture here. Leaven makes things sour. Honey makes things sweet. But God wanted neither. <laughs> like, we're living, we're living sacrifices. We offer ourselves just as we are without the artificial like, just, just genuine sacrifice. And then verse 12 says, As for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. So the offering of first fruits, these were not to be offered uh, with a different procedure is all that means. Verse 13, And every offering uh, of your grain offering, you shall season with salt, you shall not allow the salt of the covenant or your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offering, you shall offer salt. And so each, uh, each grain offering had to include salt. How many, are you guys thankful for salt? I'm so thankful for salt. <laughs> it just makes everything better, right? Um, but salt here, it spoke of purity, it spoke of preservation, and it speaks of expense. So in other words, offerings to God should be pure. Offerings should be uh, enduring, and offerings to God should cost something. And so salt helped the, the meat to stay fresh and not spoil. They would pile salt on it, right? And salt also spoke actually of friendship. In this culture, the bond of friendship was solidified through the eating of salt, like a meal, sharing a meal. God wanted every sacrifice to be a reminder of relationship. So salt had to do with a covenant, and it was, it was pure, a, a pure covenant. You know, salt remains pure as a chemical compound. It was an enduring covenant. It preserves. And it was a valuable covenant. Salt was expensive. And like salt, the covenant was unchangeable, incorruptible, and not liable to corruption. Salt also speaks of grace, which, which looks forward to the grace of Jesus. Like in Luke... 422. Let me read you that. Luke 422. Is that what I have to give to you? What I give to you? Okay, never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> Verse 14. Verse 14 it says. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. 
16. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion, part of its beaten grain and part of its oil, with all the frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. So God told Israel not to bring to not bring first fruit offerings in the same way as grain offerings. And God tells them how to bring first fruit offerings. And I love sort of like a parallel illustration of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, which says, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So, and here's the thing, frankincense was thought to sweeten the sacrifice and make it worth more. Um, and again, first fruits, I know it's, it's, a, it's a difficult, it took me a long time to realize, like, okay, I don't just give God anything I have left over. Like, I give him, to the, I give him as worship, I give to him. And you guys ever realize that, like, that, like, as you give to him on a consistent basis, God blesses you even more than if you didn't give to him? It's just crazy how he does that, right? God's economy is so different, but it's about giving from the heart. It, it, you know, sacrifice costs something. It's not free. It costs Jesus his life. But, so let's go to Leviticus 3. Leviticus 3, and now we're going to see the peace offering. So the burnt offering speaks of Christ's dedication. The meal offering speaks of Christ's perfection. And the peace offering in Leviticus 3 speaks of Christ's peace and satisfaction. Peace and satisfaction. So, verse 1, it says, When his offering, Leviticus 3, verse 1, When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle blood all around on the altar. And then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. And the fat that covers the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove the flanks and the fatty lobe. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so it was an offering of a bull or a cow for the peace offering. Now, so just as the one who put his hand on the head of the animal as a sign of identification, so the one bringing the animal was a peace offering was to personally claim peace and fulfillment that only God can bring which was ultimately fulfilled in Christ, the one who would himself be our peace. In Ephesians 2.14, there's a reference to that. Let me read that. Ephesians 2.14, which says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He is our peace. And so with the peace offering, the sacrifice could be male or female, yet it still had to be without blemish. It had to be perfect, unspotted. And so in the peace offering, the blood of the animal was offered to God along with the fat, the blood and the fat. Right? And the, the meat portion was to be shared with, uh, with part given to the priest and part given to the offerer. And they would eat it as part of their fellowship meal with God. And... Back in that day, sharing a meal was a big thing. It was, was very different than in our culture, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just like really quick, let's meet for 20 minutes and have Chipotle, 
okay, we're done, let's go. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like a whole day process, and the meal was like you're sharing a meal, you're sharing life together. It was like very like intimate. But just to be clear, this was not an offering to make peace uh, with God. That's the sin offering in chapter 4 we'll look at next week. But the peace offering was an offering to enjoy peace with God. The reason Jesus made peace between the Father and the believer is so his peace could be enjoyed. The biggest peace offering given in the Bible was actually Solomon when he dedicated the temple. He offered 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep in 1 Kings. That's an epic cookout, right? I mean, that's like, wow, that would smell really good. Um, uh, but moving on, verse 6, continuing on, it says, If his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron's son shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. Verse 9, and then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone. And the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So a lot of fat going on, right? So there's offerings, offering a sheep as a peace offering. Uh, the procedure here was similar to offering a bull or a cow. The blood or the fat was given to God, and the meat was for the one who brought the uh, offering to the priest. And the fat tail was a delicacy, and, uh, and it could weigh as much as uh, 60 pounds. I remember a, a friend at my last church, he was Filipino. He loved oxtail soup. He loved it. And, he, and, and, you know, and pig blood soup or whatever you call that. He loved, but he loved oxtail. And man, when he ate, I went with him one time to go eat it. Last time, I, first and last, because he was sucking on that oxtail. And it was just like all over the place. But he was, enjoy, he was in a different world. You know how you eat something or your spouse eats something? Like when my wife eats ice cream and they're just like, they forget you're there. They forget everything around them. They're just like focused. And it was like, it was a delicacy. It was good um, to him. I didn't even try it. But... Uh, so, verse 12, continuing on, guys, we're going to finish these three chapters. Yeah, verse 12, it says, and it, and it, I'm sorry, and if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hands on his head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle blood around the altar. Then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and the fat that is on the entrails. And the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for a sweet-smelling aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. So there was an offering, a goat, as a peace offering. And the last verse, 17, this shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings. You shall eat neither fat nor blood. So the fat, again, the fat and the blood belong to God. So there's a spiritual point here. We enjoy peace with God by giving him the best, which is represented by the fat, and giving him our lives represented by the blood. 
And he says, you shall, either, uh, you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Was God being mean because he wanted the fat and the, <laughs> the offers were not to eat it? No. Not eating the fat, there's a couple things here. But for Israel, from the basis of blood, blood cholesterol and heart disease, but also back in this day, you know, uh, practically speaking, tapeworms were often found in the fatty tissues. And so avoiding it, the Israelites avoided dangerous parasites. Again, kind of like reminds me at the end of this here that God always knows what he's doing. Like the Lord doesn't implement anything random. Sometimes he withholds something that seems good to us because he knows in the long run it won't be good for us. God's always looking out for us. He always has a plan and he's in the details. And I think the conclusion to this and I think the conclusion to every, every chapter in every book of the Bible is just to trust him. He's in the details. He knows what he's doing. God can set it all up so that people can offer sacrifices for their sins and to be forgiven. Practical holiness matters, and that's what we see here. So guys, there's the first three offerings of seven. Next week, we'll try to get through the next four. And let me pray, and then we'll have a discussion. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this night. We thank you for uh, Leviticus, Lord, the least taught book in the Bible. We just pray, God, that as we dig into it, that you would give us the reasons for it, Lord, even as the... We look at the foreshadowing and the types, Lord, of, of Christ in it, Lord. It's just so amazing, the, the symbolism and all that's in there, Lord. And so we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that, um, that your word doesn't return void, Lord, that you accomplish what you will, Lord, according to your word. And we thank you that we can gather together and, and hear it, Lord, that you would help us to live it. In Jesus' name, amen.